there? Okay. It's a little tricky, this passage, but what, what we're going to focus on is um, whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. We can hang on to that, right, this morning? So, I'm going to move this in the middle. Yeah? You're, I think you'll still be able to see me. And I need the sermon. <laughs> Which is this. Uh, it's lovely to be here, and it's awfully hard to compete with that, uh, which really is uh, the sermon, Judith. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, we don't have music at 8 o'clock, but I'm going to, and I don't have a great singing voice, but... Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of green, for earth and Transfiguration, and how can you not be transfigured by God's love in Wyoming? It's everywhere. Spreading God's love transfigured Jesus, and also traveling transfigured Jesus. And these two things have also transfigured me. Spreading God's love and traveling. Last month, Judith, I went to see the pyramids. I went up the Nile on a 100-year-old steamer. It was on my bucket list. Or perhaps you might say, or I might say, because I have an odd sense of humor, my episcalist. Agatha Christie, it turns out, had been on this very same boat. Oh, dear. Once Agatha Christie said this, quote, I like living. You can hear me back there, right? Andy, yeah? I like living. I have sometimes been wildly, despairingly, acutely miserable, racked with sorrow. 
But through it all, I still know quite certainly that just to be alive is a grand thing. Agatha Christie spoke like a disciple of Christ. In this chapel of transfiguration, how can you or I not think life is a grand thing when I got here at 7 this morning and well, Georgie put the flowers up there, that life is not a grand thing, that these mountains make our hearts sing. God shed his grace on thee. So last month, I landed in Cairo, Egypt. 20 million people. The pyramids look a lot like the Tetons. A little shorter. And wonder expanded my heart and my brain. Egyptians, ready for this, used 2.3 million limestone blocks to build those pyramids. 2.3 million. And the blocks were transported 425 miles up the Nile. That's the distance from Denver to Jackson Hole. Each block weighed up to 80 tons. Emily from Houston, right? Ellen. Ellen. Ellen from Houston. It's her first time here to Wyoming, so welcome. Each block weighed up to 80 tons, which is the weight, Ellen, of the Statue of Liberty. Egyptians did this for the afterlife. They spent their whole lives preparing for the afterlife. They dragged the Statue of Liberty from Denver to Jackson Hole to get first-class seats to eternity. So then, Betsy, Jesus came along 3,000 years later and monkeyed with these notions, these Egyptian notions. Jesus, my Jewish bachelor, my androgynous hippie on a donkey, gave the afterlife, Ellen, a wide berth. He wanted to save people here and now. He transfigured faith, Lonnie, and made the present a present, in the true sense of that word, that the present is a present, our present, right here now. He made one day at a time a scrumptious morsel in the form of the host that we will soon share. Jesus appeared among the Jews who ignored the afterlife. The Torah doesn't mention the afterlife at all. 
the Jews fled Egypt. That's where they were fleeing, as they were with the, with the Torah. They were fleeing Egypt, and they were sick to death of the mummies and the pyramids and all this hubbub about the afterlife. Enough of that. Christ is a phantasmagorical kaleidoscope of the pyramids and the Torah and the Tetons all rolled into one. God shed his grace on thee, wrote Catherine Lee Bates. So today, in Luke, Christ asks his disciples to take up a cross and follow him. If you cannot take up a cross, you are not a disciple. That's what he says. It's kind of harsh. Jesus trumps family and houses and jobs, student loans, mortgages, the whole thing. Jesus crowns thy good with brotherhood and defers the American dream. He hypnotizes us, or me, maybe you too, with a bigger dream of radical love. Jesus' sales pitch is provocative and less lugubrious than this gospel makes it sound, at least for me. So Linda Ronstadt transfigured all of us and sang that song. Remember, Ellen? It's so easy to fall in love. Can you all sing that too? <laughs> <laughs> sing it. One, two, three. It's so easy to fall in love. It's so easy to fall in love. It's so easy to fall in love. And falling in love on Sunday with our Jewish bachelor, our androgynous hippie, can be easy. It's been easy for me at times. But what about staying in love? What about that? What happens when God's will doesn't favor your wishes? When our sorrow is an Egyptian block that weighs as much as nine Tyrannosaurus Rexes. And when life is not fair, what happens then? The word cross is rich in its entomology. A cross can mean to go across, like go across from where I came from in town with the 25-mile speed limit, watch that, to, to here, I'm going across. And cross can be a genetic crossing of two species. And a cross can be where two roads intersect. Where two roads intersect. A cross can also be a punch in boxing. And a cross can also mean that you're furious. I'm cross. I'm cross with whatever. It means all those things. 
These meanings uh, converged last week when my father died. I was punched at a crossroads. And also my father was crossing into me as he was going into the afterlife. I was at Pharaoh's tomb. If you ever get to go there, King Tut and the Twelve baboons that, that watch him. But I was light last week. I was not burdened down with the trinkets of the Egyptians. And I felt peace. Now my father and I, like sometimes fathers and sons, if there are fathers and sons here, had moments where we were cross with one another. But all that was gone last Friday. And Jesus' teaching of forgiveness and surrender and not taking things personally had transfigured me and made my cross light. So Dad and I went up, not down, into the ground, like the Egyptians. The cross Jesus is talking about today is vertical. It's an elevator going up to the skyscraper of heaven, whatever is up there, but it's also very human. In my experience, and it's gritty and horizontal, Jesus' big cowboy arms embracing every human you can think of. The cross is all purple mountain majesties. And the cross transfigures us. So, things are not always fair, as you were sharing with me in the sacristy before we started. Life is not always fair. People commit suicide. Marriages break up. Catherine Lee Bates, who wrote America the Beautiful, was a closeted lesbian. Now that couldn't have been easy in the 1800s. And yet what a hymn she wrote. And that's what our faith can do. That's what my faith has done for me. It has made beauty out of pain. So we, we can't always see the big picture. And I'm not always going to like the challenges that are presented to me. <clears throat> but I do know that my faith, with faith, I will be transfigured to the good. In a moment, we will come to this altar, this beautiful little altar. I'm so big, I used to be like... Yeah, we're going to come to this altar and we're going to kneel. Now every Sunday when I deliver the host, which I've been doing for a while now, as Art and Betsy know, from Honduras to Madrid to Jackson Heights, I do feel lighter. And I unload a weight like in a hot air balloon. 
then I rise. I rise with dreams and hope and gratitude and more travel plans. There was a fourth century theologian named Augustine who wrote in the Confessions, May the loves of my life be lightly ordered. To be transfigured, I will try to lightly order my loves. Jesus today asks to love him first. He's at the top of the pyramid scheme. Then love for me. Gotta have that in there. Family, young poets I mentor, and priests like Travis Helms, who has now come to be with all of you here, then orphan girls, then 12-step groups, then friends, then strangers, and then even enemies. Annie Prue wrote a story just set here in Wyoming, made famous, called Brokeback Mountain. This story is the story of two gay cowboys who fall in love. Their time on earth is spent thinking of one another even though they marry and they have children. Ines Del Mar cannot stop thinking of Jack Twist. When Jack Twist dies in a gay bashing, Innes goes to visit Jack's parents. There, when he goes to the house in a closet, he finds two shirts that Jack preserved. And one of them is inside the other one. It's like two skins. And they are the shirts of Innes and Jack. Jack preserved their love before he died like a pyramid. Annie Prue ends her story famously by writing, if you can't fix it, you've got to stand it. If you can't fix it, you've got to stand it. Life isn't fair, and life is short, My dad is dead. Today I wear his wedding ring. We are here for you. Huh? We are here for you. Thank you. Who said that? Is that a mask? Oh, you yeah, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> uh, Thank you. It's short, it's not fair. And uh, I wear the ring like Jack Twist to put those shirts in the closet. I carry my cross. I order my loves.
Jesus saves what is lost? I'm not in a pyramid, but I think of this chapel of the Transfiguration as an Episcopal hot air balloon of love. So this morning, let us be transfigured. Whatever your sorrows or your burdens, I ask you this morning to lay them down at this altar before the Grand Tetons. These Wyoming pyramids. We cannot control anything. And we spend our lives in folly thinking that we can. If you order your loves, your world will widen. And I can promise you that, for I have lived it. And I keep living it. So brothers and sisters, make a pyramid of your love, starting with God. And Ellen from Houston, if you have trouble with the word God, you can always add another O and put the good first. So when you arrive at that final day, as I did last Friday with my father, you will feel light. I promise you that. God will shed his grace on thee. And Jesus, our Episcopal Statue of Liberty, will lift his lamp beside the golden 